0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So Lamar Jackson's counter offers to the Ravens have frequently been speculated, But for what we believe is the first time, a report surfaced Thursday that clearly states he countered for more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, we'll dive into the specifics of that ESPN report and also share where Lamar has sought guidance from throughout this negotiation process, despite representing himself.
1: I'm Bobby Trossett, alongside my co-host, Sarah Ellison. It's Friday, February 24th, and this is your Morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault.
2: I've got an under-the-radar benefit from Todd Munkin's hiring that could fix a frequent complaint from Ravens fans that they had almost all the time last year under Greg Roman.
1: Plus, as 2023 mock drafts continue to be churned out, former Ravens scout Daniel Jeremiah has Baltimore selecting an Alabama cornerback with the 22nd overall pick.
2: We have all of that and more coming up thank you for waking up with the morning vault where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. All right, Bobby, let's outline the specifics of this Thursday ESPN report that made it abundantly clear that Lamar Jackson has countered multiple Ravens contract offers. Well, he counted it for more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, so again, for starters, we know this may seem repetitive to some of you listening, but it is the reality of the situation the Ravens and Lamar find themselves in as we currently sit in the midst of the NFL's annual franchise tag designation time window, which runs through March 7th. But with that in mind, Sarah, let's revisit this Chris Mortensen contract report from September 2022. At the time, Mort wrote that Jackson turned down a five-year, $250 million contract that included $133 million guaranteed at signing. Of course, that's far less than Watson's deal, but more than the fully guaranteed figures awarded to Russell Wilson, who came in at $124 million, and Kyler Murray, who came in at $103.3 million last offseason. This we've known, right? We've known that, Sarah. But what we haven't known is, is this as jointly written by Jamison Hensley and Jeremy Fowler. Quote, according to a source with knowledge of Jackson's contract negotiations, all of his counteroffers to the Ravens last year were for fully guaranteed contracts that exceeded that of Watson, close quote.
2: Yeah, Bobby, that tells me that that report of the initial offer that we all quote all the time, there may have been a couple more offers after that. And that's that's what we're hearing here if Lamar has multiple counteroffers. And earlier this week, we learned that Lamar didn't return Eric DaCosta's phone calls to start negotiations last year. So it's not surprising that they didn't come to agreement, but based on reactions I've seen on social media all day on Thursday, the fact that Lamar's counteroffers exceeded Watson was surprising to some of this fan base. And whether you are surprised or not, this all certainly is new information from what we think is credible reporting. And what else is new is that ESPN's Diana Russini tweeted Thursday that while, yeah, Lamar represents himself, and we all know that, she wrote, he is, quote, not negotiating alone. She expended a little bit more on that while on air.
0: The relationship at this point, look, I know he does a little bit of the Instagram stuff, but I, I think Lamar's handled this really well. And and I know he doesn't have an official agent, but the NFLPA, they, they're guiding him here. Yes, the association is listening, helping him. And look, I don't know how they're guiding him, I don't know what they're saying but they must be pretty supportive of him going after that guaranteed money because there hasn't been a lot of adjustment there because, look, a long-term deal would have been been done at this point, but the Baltimore Ravens, they are all in on
1: on Lamar Jackson, and Lamar wants to stay in Baltimore. He wants to be there. He's been really open about that. Yeah, so, Sarah, that checks out. The part about Lamar's involvement with the NFLPA, I mean, I know we both remember Eric DaCosta's sly remark under his breath, right, during his end-of-season press conference last month in which he basically stated how proud he was that the specifics of this negotiation process has primarily been kept in-house, aside from one numbers leak put forth by the NFLPA. The moral of the story here is basically, while Lamar still doesn't and may never have a traditional agent representing him, that doesn't mean he isn't getting much needed guidance elsewhere. And in this case, elsewhere is the NFLPA.
2: Yeah, and Bobby, let's get back to this ESPN report from Hensley and Fowler. It was an extremely long piece, but can you just pick out something else that may have stood out to you?
1: Yeah, just a couple other nuggets related to Lamar's specific wishes and the priorities that were involved throughout Baltimore's search for its next offensive coordinator. Of course, that's Todd Munkin now. Uh, I'll read one paragraph verbatim. "Quote: The organization greatly respects Roman, whose Ravens were among the league's best rushing offenses from 2019 to 2022. But a passing game heavily reliant on tight ends and running backs ranked 27th or worse in NFL passing yards in three of Roman's four seasons as the play caller there. A team source said Jackson was not dissatisfied with the greater freedom and empowerment in the passing attack he experienced during that 42-38 loss to Miami. He went 21-29, of 29, passing 318 yards through the air, and three touchdowns in Week 2. And a new coordinator might be able to give him that. Another team source added that since Jackson believes he can do anything with a football, it can be hard to gauge exactly what he wants, and suppressing his running ability would be foolish, close quote. Now, Sarah, according to ESPN sources who were directly involved in the coordinator search uh, within this piece, one major theme, which is a desire to further develop Lamar as a passer, Came up time and time again throughout the process. And that's why Harbaugh, quote, felt offensive changes were necessary to try to get back to the Super Bowl, close quote. As we've covered in recent weeks, Todd Munkin has never shied away from throwing the football to win his team games. And if the Ravens can add pieces around Lamar this offseason via free agency or trade or, or the draft and number eight ops to play in Baltimore on the franchise tag in 2023, Munkin's philosophy could end up being exactly what the doctor ordered.
2: And Bobby, that's a perfect segue because still to come here on The Vault, we're unpacking one of Todd Munkin's tendencies and talking tempo.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So Sarah, we've covered Todd Munkin and what he could bring to the Ravens offense, but there is one new element that he's looking to bring to Baltimore that I know you feel like fell under the radar this week. What is it?
2: Yeah, I didn't. Maybe it's because I personally missed it the first time around until other reporters in town pointed it out. And it's something Ravens fans complained a lot about the last few years. And that's how often the play clock would run down to zero. I mean, it often felt like the offense had to rush to the line of scrimmage under Greg Roman. And if they didn't quickly snap the ball off, either John Harbaugh would be forced to burn a timeout or a delay of game would be called. And so the hope is that Munkin can turn around that very frustrating trend. Now, at one point while introducing Munkin, Harbaugh was talking about Munkin's flexibility of running different systems and personnel groups. But then he added that the new OC can be flexible with tempo. Different kind of tempos, huddle, no huddle, real fast, controlled tempo, call plays at the line, don't call plays at the line. I mean, these are all things that you talk about, things that he brings to the table that he's really, I just think, very versatile with. And that's going to be very valuable for us.
1: You know, Sarah, you and I sat through countless press conferences with Greg Roman over the years where he was asked about clock management and picking up the tempo And he did not hide the fact that he purposely kept things on the slower side.
2: Yeah, I mean, specifically, I remember the last time he was asked, and it was just in December, and he characterized his approach as a, quote, race to be in control. So he said, on average, the Ravens offense snapped the ball about four seconds later than other NFL teams. And over the course of a 70-play game, that calculated out to be about four and a half to five minutes more of the game clock on the Ravens side, preventing the opposing offenses from even touching the ball at all. Roman called that a, quote, treasure.
1: Yeah, and that is a legitimate strategy. That said, if there was any sort of hiccup then they wasted timeouts or lost yards with penalties. And in that case, they lost control, and it happened just way too often.
2: Way, way too often, Bobby. And it almost felt like there wasn't enough versatility to change things up when needed. And that's where Todd Munkin enters the picture. He seems to have a different philosophy. While he was telling reporters earlier this week about how the game has changed over the years, he emphasizes, we remember, creating space, and using players' athleticism for more explosive plays. And then, then he talked about all the, well, this is the key word of the topic, he talks about having a fast tempo more often in today's game.
0: Now it's utilizing um, athletic quarterbacks. The game has changed. It's changing from, you know, one time it was a uh, taller you know, pocket passers and now you're seeing more shorter athletic players the game has changed in terms of using their athleticism using players athleticism is what they what they bring to the table because the game is about space it's about being explosive well how do you create explosives well part of it is creating space so that's probably the biggest thing is how do you find a way to incorporate that into your offense i think also being no huddle some tempo um, what that provides, that creates, because we were all no huddle. It's a little bit different then, because of the the dynamics of a signal system, and then you know the green dot to the quarterback. So you have to work through some of that. That'll take some working through, but um, just a, it's a speed bump, not a hurdle.
2: All right, Bobby. I realize that free agency technically hasn't even begun yet, but it feels like NFL draft season is slowly but surely sneaking up on us.
1: Yeah, we're basically in the heart of mock draft season. And you may remember the last time we devoted a topic to this. It was when former Ravens scout Daniel Jeremiah had Baltimore selecting Florida QB Anthony Richardson with their 22nd overall pick in April's draft, which, of course, got the people going. In his latest mock, though, Jeremiah went with Alabama cornerback Brian Branch.
2: Yeah, Bobby, Brian Branch, that sounds like a best player available kind of a philosophy over need. So, you know, that goes against somebody else here on this podcast and what they're looking for. But first, tell us, what have you learned about Branch?
1: You know exactly what I'm looking for. We'll see if that changes at all in the coming months. Maybe you can sway me or Jeremiah can sway me or any of these mock drafts can sway me. But for now, I'm dug in like Lamar and and the Ravens are right In, in both of their negotiation tactics but for starters he put up big numbers brian branch did in 2022 in 13 games he logged 58 tackles three sacks two interceptions and seven passes defended as jeremiah wrote quote Ozzie newsom is still in the building and alabama players will always be coveted by the ravens baltimore will value Branch's versatility and playmaking ability close quote
2: Yeah, no question. Baltimore has gone to the Alabama well quite often over the years. And in some cases it's paid off. Let me just, you know, there's the Marlon Humphreys of the world, Bradley Bozeman and CJ Mosley. Those are just recent ones that come to memory.
1: You know, Sarah, while we're on the cornerback conversation, I couldn't help but notice that USA Today columnist Nate Davis has the Ravens going with Georgia corner Keely Ringo in, in his latest mock. Now, Ringo played in 15 games for the Bulldogs in 2022, which, of course, ended with a CFP title. He logged 42 tackles, seven passes defended, two interceptions, and one forced fumble. But the reason why I bring him up specifically is because he's exactly who former Georgia QB Hudson Mason recommended that Baltimore take a look at because of the Todd Munkin connection. And I know you and I both feel this way, and we're not just saying it to say it. Like, we cannot recommend this episode enough. It's number 189 in our archives, but here's a snippet of Hudson talking up Ringo.
3: Um, a guy like Keeley Ringo could be a nice pick at corner there. A guy who, if you go back and look at how he played in the Ohio State game against Marvin Harrison Jr. Or Marvin Harrison Jr. put up some really good stats, but what if you just look at the box where you'd say, oh boy, he got toasted, but there were a lot of times Keeley wasn't on him man-to-man. When he caught some of those touchdown passes, Keely Ringo, I think, is a guy who's probably looked at as the maybe the second, third at the worst best corner in the draft, according to Mel Kiper and those guys. And I don't know if he can play nickel, but if you have a need on the outside corner spot, Keely Ringo is long and can fly. I mean, he is six one four four, very rangy, great ball skills. You know, the, one of one of his most popular plays in, in Georgia history that will go down as maybe the most popular was the pick six against Alabama that sealed the national championship game. Mm. And he, he goes up and grabs it. And Kirby Smart is yelling at him from the sideline. He's going, get down, get down. He just wants the game to be over. And Keeley says, no, bump that. I'm taking it back to the house. And he runs it all the way back for a pick <laughs> six and seals the game. So I think it speaks to his ability to not only his ball skills and a ability to go make incredible plays but then what do you do after the catch so you know maybe a guy like keely ringo could be a good fit
2: and before we fly some other quick news items that you need to know beginning with learning about the Scouting Combine's media schedule because Eric Dacosta and John Harbaugh will both speak next Wednesday in Indianapolis at 1 p.m. and 2 p.m. respectively. And, of course, Bobby and I will cover that extensively. Also, the city of Tifton, Georgia, declared February 18th the Rashad Bateman Day and he received the keys to the city where he grew up. Bateman told the audience at that event, quote, I ain't had a full season yet. Y'all know that, so it's something coming. Third times got to be a charm. Close quote. And finally, former Ravens wide receiver Steve Smith Sr. does scouting reports on receivers coming up in the draft, and you know, receiver might be a little bit of a need here in Baltimore. So here's a report Smith did on Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba.
0: Oh no no no! He has athleticism. He's not fast. Some people say he's at uh, runs a uh, four four eight. Uh, I think he might run four He is a slot receiver. He's a heck of a slot receiver. 6'1", 200 pounds. Man, that man knows how to run a route. He has a PhD in route running. Very good body control. And we see it over and over and over again. Talking about evaluating some people, and I'm talking about wide receivers, and I say high point, catching
1: the ball, concentration. There are some guys that are ranked, and you haven't seen these kind of catches. That body control and concentration, that's rare. His style of spectacular catching and great body. Control is out of this world. Thanks for listening to the Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com backslash Ravens Vault Podcast. As you probably know by now, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a chance to keep churning out daily Ravens content. For years to come
2: yeah and a special shout out to our newest patron d black and by the way for those of you who are monthly mailbag supporters of patreon don't forget to submit your question ahead of next week's q a episode we'd also love to hear from everyone whether you're a patron or not with comments questions or if you'd be interested in advertising and you can reach us by email via baltimore ravens at gmail.com and that is all the time we've got today but we will be back on monday With the Ravens news you need to know.